This is At The Line. Thank you guys for coming on this Monday night stream. I'm Ty Yeager. That's Noah Magara George on the top left. And on the top right is Nick Yarbrough. Guys, how are we doing tonight on this lovely Monday night that's raining, at least in our area? Uh, doing pretty good. Sorry, I'm just checking how it looks on uh, on my end. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not raining over here, but uh, it's relatively close. Then, of course, um, of course no one had cobbler. It's not really raining over here. Yeah, I'm doing good because I had cobbler, so I'm feeling good. It's not raining over here. I'm talking with y'all, so of course I'm good. Oh, yeah. So, we're going to have a lot that we're going to run through tonight. We're going to talk about the two latest coaching news in terms of Will Hardy going to the Celtics, Becky Hammond not getting the job with Portland, and a really weird article write-up that we clearly, we obviously have a lot to talk about. And then we're just going to talk about some possible rumors, trade scenarios, all the lovely stuff going on around the NBA. There isn't too much new in terms of like prospect. I haven't. No, have you heard anything of new prospects that Spurs have worked out or interviewed lately? No, nothing on that front. Um, no, nothing. That's why I thought it's we we've been keeping out. It's been a little bit quiet lately. Um, again, we're going to probably hear a lot more in terms of stuff of interviews and workouts after after the season end, ends most likely and we have about i'll be just under a month under a month after after the finals can possibly end with the then with draft at july 29th also make sure to check to resubscribe to at at the line here on twitch and also on youtube we're gonna be streaming on both ends we're gonna have a full i have a name i have a name for our draft party the fiesta bros draft party how's that sound Hey, it's kind of like, kind of like a certain person's podcast with zero episodes. Hey, we're, I think at this rate, we all have our own individual podcast. Noah has uh, Alamo City Limits. Did I do that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you got it. Oh no, we lost Noah. Did you unplug your mic? No? You unplugged your microphone, oh, my yeah. man. <laughs> Did I? It's still going. It still shows I'm talking. I can't hear you. You're very quiet. Nick, can hmm. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Keep talking. Oof. Uh, there we go. There we yeah, go. I don't know why you can't hear me. All right, now I get. Okay, and you were awesome. very quiet. I got it. We got it now. I don't know what was on my end. Um, yeah. So also, chat. If you have any questions for us, uh, we will be happy to answer unless we've already talked about them. We're not going to. If you ask us a question about a certain player, something like that, we might not go too in depth because we probably talked about it. Make sure to check out the podcast that we, episode that we did of our condensed stream from last from Saturday where we talked a lot more draft yeah. prospects and all that. Mm. And uh, if you want even more of that, we have a two full hour stream on YouTube and also here on Twitch. So if you guys wanted to see back of any of our old stuff, make sure to check that out. But first, uh, let's get in with the real news that has late, happened lately. Last Late last night, um, it was reported that Will Hardy, a assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, who's also been with the organization for like 10 seasons now, is going to be joining Amin Udoka's uh, coaching staff in Boston as an assistant mm-hmm. coach for the Boston Celtics. Um, it might not seem too big, but Will Hardy has kind of been like one of the late youngest coach prospects lately. That's kind of been a hit. We've we've heard a lot of rumors of a lot of people saying that Will Hardy could have possibly suppressed surpa- uh, Ben uh, Pops. Surpre- What's it called? I can't talk. I want to say suppressor, but I can't. That's not the word. Oh, yeah, pop successor. Oh, yeah. Successor. successor. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, 
we yeah. we'd heard that, and he came up as like a video coordinator, stuff like that. Kind of kind of remind me of a bit of Eric Spolstra, a little bit, but he's going to, going to Boston. Uh, Noah, what do you think about the uh, move for Will Hardy? I think it's good for him. I mean, he's from that Massachusetts area, so I'm sure he's happy to go home. He's familiar with Ime Udoka. They were on the staff together for a long time, so good for him. It's you know, it's sad to see him go, but. You know, I'm sure it's good for his career, it's good for his home life, his family life, whatever. So, you know, happy for him. Yeah. Nick, what do you think? I mean, like, I'm happy for him, and it sucks to see him go. I I never really saw him as Pop's successor. Um, I guess, uh, you know, people want to say he was with the team so long. It's like, like if he's been with the team a long time, then Becky must be ancient because she has been with the Spurs and in the Spurs system for so long. Um, you know, from playing um, in San Antonio to joining this coaching staff, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people spouted it as like kind of like, oh, it's an Armageddon. Like we lost Will, and I'm like, I saw more people upset about losing Will than the prospect of ever losing Becky, and I'm like, I just. It sucks to see him go. He's a great... Apparently, he's a pretty great assistant. Um, but I don't see him as some, like, titan mind of basketball right now that some people have been portraying him as and uh, us losing an integral part of our future. I could be wrong. He could turn out as some, like, Spolstra, you know, like, uh, pre-this-year Brad Stevens. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sucks, but I'm not too up in arms about it. I mean... Yeah, it, it, it is what it is, I guess, right? Like, it's kind of like losing Udoka. Like, okay, that sucks. Sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're having a good career. Sorry. Um, I'm sure that, you know, we have a couple great guys in the Summer League uh, coaching staff. Um, so I think you brought up, and I was kind of looking into it, like, Brett Brown could be a good assistant coach replacement. I mean, we, we have – there's options. And there's options that honestly probably have more experience than – Hardy and Hardy's Hardy's proven to be at least a decent assistant coach, but like he hasn't like I don't know. He he hasn't proven a whole lot and given he hasn't had a whole lot of time to prove, he hasn't had a whole lot of spotlight, but I don't know. I mean I feel like it's being a bit overblown by some people in general. With not not saying that I won't miss him, but just a little overblown maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it felt to me like some people, it kind of was a mix of people were, people were overblowing the prospects of Becky possibly leaving, signing somewhere else, and then now they are kind of overblowing with the prospect of Will Hardy leaving. And it's nothing new. This is not this is not new for Spurs in any way. And this also happens across the league where assistants get that get that big league job essentially. And yeah, it's, it's nothing new. So it's it's something that you shouldn't really be putting a lot of a lot of dire energy into it, if that's the case. But Will Hardy, has, he looks good. I think he's going to, what happened with the Yudoka, that his coaching improved even further once he grew up with the San Antonio, San Antonio assistant bench and then went somewhere else and learned another system. So it's probably going to be the best for Will Hardy's career in terms of just becoming an even better coach in multiple systems across the league. So it's going to be promising yeah. for him. It's, it's just another... It's another pop, pop uh, coach into the system, and I think that's even better. Just you're going, you're going to see Pop's influence across this league for a long time, no, even after he retires. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of a symptom uh, that you see a lot. You see it with some people with Damar. Um, you see it with some weird people with Rudy talking about, you know, I'm talking about with his uh, defensive plus minus or whatever. Like, you see people in San Antonio, um, since we don't have a whole lot of high-end talent, you know, we don't have a whole lot of spotlight, um, we grow attached to our players and our staff. And even if, like, to the point of way overvaluing them. And it's funny how some people say, well, you know, the front office overvalues our assets for trading. It's like, I mean, y'all are overvaluing our front office. You're you're overvaluing most of our coaching staff. Not all of it, but, like, I, I just, I think it's a San Antonio fan trait to just be overly attached and not liking to, like, you hate to give up anybody. And uh, it happened with Messina. It happened with Hidoka. It's happening with Hardy. It'll happen with Becky if she leaves. Like we're still, like we're st- we're still fine. And honestly, with everyone leaving, you don't really see the coaching, like the game plan and the scheming change that much, even with the talent changing. So you you obviously don't really see their impact as coaches on in the field of play maybe it's in the locker room maybe it's on the bench but it's kind of like i mean they're really they're not out there like coaching like an assistant coach normally would it seems it seems more kind of like a one-on-one player coaching that you don't really get in the spotlight and uh i don't think we'll see that big of a difference if pop comes back and hardy's gone i just don't think we'll see anything that crazy um in the game plan now Record-wise, you know, that that's to be seen, but that, that'll be because of uh, us only having nine people in our contract right now and our team makeup looking completely different after this season. So, I don't know. If we have a bad season because we lose a lot of talent, uh, whether it's good or bad for us, I'm sure a lot of people uh, probably a couple months from now will be seeing the, uh, if only we had kept Hardy. Like, <laughs> I, I wait for those tweets. If only we had kept Hardy. He was holding this team together. He was the glue guy. <laughs> He was the glue guy to this, and I can't wait. <laughs> Honestly, that does sound kind of like a Spurs fan thing. I know you have any no, last it's words on this. No, I may honestly, I don't like in the nicest way I can say it. I don't really care. Like, I don't, I don't care if he's here or not. Or, um, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy. I mean, it's normal. Coaches move on. They get hired. They flip from bench to bench. They're trying to become head coaches. That's the end game. So, who cares if someone's gone? You know, it'd be sad. Um, if it was Becky, maybe a little more sad if it was Becky because I think so many people, including myself, are invested in her becoming the successor for Pop. But no, I mean, no one, no fan should care if an assistant leaves. They're just an assistant. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's, I think, the even better thing, at least in terms of this, between the Chauncey Billups sign in Portland and Will Hardy leaving, it kind of sets, it just kind of it lays the doormat for Becky Hammond to take over at some point, whether it be... Yeah. Maybe this offseason, we don't know yet. I have a theory that Pop might retire after the Olympics, if that's going to ever happen this offseason, or if it happens next season, next offseason, whenever Pop finally gets the record, does one last season in San Antonio and goes out that way. So I think, yeah. no, I think no matter what, Becky Hammond is most likely going to be the predecessor, and it's going to either, ha- either happen this offseason or next offseason, depending on how this goes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the consensus I would feel, right, is like, it will be one of those things. I don't think any of us see Pop staying after, as like I don't see him staying past this upcoming season. Like if he were to stay, 
I don't see him re-upping again or anything. And this is the last year on his contract, right? This upcoming season? Believe yeah, so. it's the last year on his contract, and he's already, as of last season, the oldest coach to ever coach in the NBA. So, I mean, his time is – like, his yeah. days are numbered in the NBA, not because he's, like, washed, but he's old. I mean, like, he can't do this forever. I think, like – I mean, he's gone through so much recently, especially with his wife in, in the last couple couple seasons, you know, dealing with that. Um, and then after that, entering into a weird COVID season where it obviously took a toll on players and coaches alike, um, losing out on the playoffs, um, having to try and navigate just this whole new um, kind of like culture shock with all these young players, um, just trying to make the best of it. I feel like it's probably worn him down. And um, I don't really blame him. You, you can see it in his interviews, especially he's, he still has his little jovial moments, but he's he's kind of been a bit more of that like kind of biting like uh, like pop that people criticize him for. He's a little bit shorter in him. Um, I don't know if he's just frustrated with it or done with it, but you can kind of tell that stuff has been wearing on him a little bit more than it has. And I mean that just comes with age. That comes with the stuff he's been through. And yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't. He's so he's so uh, old. I don't like the word old, but he's he's getting up there, and um, you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him for hanging it up after the Olympics, um, and I feel like that's probably what should happen. But if he wants to stay and get the record, I'm totally fine with that. He he's earned way more than just staying for the record, so I'm fine with whatever happens. Ty, Is Ty My gone? mic, there we go. Either. My mic decided to mute itself, and I don't know why. Sure. <laughs> the, wow. Are you you're going to do that to me? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think I think if he is going to retire, it's going to be after the Olympics. He's going to get a gold medal and call it quits after that. Yeah. It's you it's like it, it'd be it'd be weird to say that you're retiring and then go to the Olympics and co- continue to coach. I it just yeah. it'd be a little weird. So I think. I think the after the Olympics, if he is going to retire this offseason, that's when it's going to be it. But let's go ahead and move on to probably the biggest shit on Spurs Twitter this to start the week. It was so Chauncey Billups got signed as the as the Bla- head, the Blazers head coach after being an assistant coach for one season with the Clippers, and this was surprising. Yeah, this is the uh, first time he's uh, beaten a woman. This time it was just in a competition. So Ooh. yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yikes! I, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, dude. Like, it bugs me seeing all this stuff about Chauncey, and I know it's, it's harsh to say, but like, I've been seeing so many congratulatory posts and seeing like how this is so good for the league, and it's just, I saw especially, um, not, not especially like they were against it. Tom Petrini and uh, Jackson Frank, um, looking at their comment sections about their distaste about the hiring just makes me lose a little bit of faith in humanity as a, as a basketball fan. Um, it's just, it, it sucks seeing, and th- th- I have more animosity towards him, especially because it led into this article. Yeah, it's, it's, it's was such a weird situation in knowing that Becky Hammond was probably one of the first female coaches to get so deep into a head coach hiring process we we saw that and then suddenly there was this article that came out by bleacher report was it i forgot what was the first name fisher for bleacher report and there was just a little snippet in it that just seemed really off i'm just i'm gonna read it real quick so everyone can get re- reminded 
Hammond impressed Portland officials and was generally liked among Blazer staffers, sources said. But when Portland reached out for intel from San Antonio figures, the background on Hammond was not nearly as complimentary pertaining to various aspects of day-to-day coaching responsibilities. That sentiment had been echoed by sources around the league. Blazers personnel, personnel then cast doubt that Hammond was a candidate to steer the ship, though such delicate waters with the Lillard. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of let's kind of break that down. For, uh, but first, uh, Noah, what do you? What's kind of your comment on this this whole thing? Because I know that you you posted something about what Pau Gasol had said about Becky Hammond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we can talk about that in a second. But to me, it's just pretty much like a smear campaign on Becky to take attention off of themselves for hiring someone like Chauncey Billups. And I, and I hear people make this argument that like, oh, well, people should be allowed to change. And, you know, everybody made mistakes when they're young. Like even Kendrick Perkins went on this like long tirade to today on ESPN or whatever show he's on um, about how, you know, we have to give people a second chance and everyone's always trying to tear down, uh, you know, black men. And he tried to make it a race thing. And then he also brought up Jason Kidd, who's white. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you already defeated that argument by bringing up Jason Kidd. Uh, and he's in this conversation, too, but not towards the Becky Hammond part, but I'll say this. Chauncey Billups should be allowed to to grow as a person, right? He should be given a second chance, but I think that's only appropriate once you have paid the repercussions of your actions, and he didn't. There was no sort of like serious repercussions for his actions. There were no real consequences. He got to have a long career. He made millions of dollars, and you know, last time I checked, there wasn't some sort of big apology on his behalf. And I know some people say, oh, well, cancel culture is bad and people are digging up old tweet. Well, there's a difference between digging up an old tweet where somebody said something offensive and then somebody who sexually assaulted a woman and then settled it out of court. That's yeah. a completely different thing. And so to funny. me, yeah, I mean, d- <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Nick, because uh, I mean, funny. that's pretty much all I have to say on this. Like, I just don't like it. It's funny coming from Kendrick Perkins, who was charged with a Class A misdemeanor, I think, for punching a woman in the face in a nightclub. <laughs> in the face of a nightclub, that is just hilarious. It, like, like I don't know, man. I I, just, I I don't get it. Like, and uh, that that's the arguments that were thrown at me today uh, about uh, tearing down black men and stuff. Like, I, I get it. I understand that black men are, you know, falsely accused at such a high rate. But from what I've seen is that him and I believe it was a teammate, right, that he did this with, um, or a peer, were basically, like, they were they could have had the book thrown at them and they just settled out of court for an, an, an apparently a huge sum of money. Um, and I tell you, uh, if I was so sure that I was uh, uh, innocent, uh, I probably wouldn't settle out of court because, as we all know, that's generally a pretty bad look. So... Yeah, I'm just I, I'm so over this Chauncey Billups it's, talk. Like, and for just but going back to this to what this this article said, saying that how do you first off, whenever you do make Becky Hammond one of your finalists, how do you not know that information? I feel like that if you knew that information and that there were Hammond was not as nearly complimentary pertaining to various aspects of day to day coaching responsibilities. I feel like you would know that before you make her a finalist. I feel like that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you would know that info, and if because you... it feels like you're using her, right? Yeah, it feels like you're using her at that point, like as some sort of PR stunt. Like, oh, we were the first team to ever bring in a woman for, uh, you know, the final rounds of a head coaching job. Well, 
like you're right, Ty. Like, shouldn't they have known that beforehand? And like, who who did they get the intel from? Because I think you could have gotten the intel from anyone. There's yeah. bound to be someone in any organization who doesn't like one individual. Like, regardless of of like race or gender, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you within your organization. It's just not possible when you're that big of an organization and I have one person who doesn't like you. And like, if you go off the record, you can say anything. So I don't really buy into it. So, but yeah, but anyways, you can continue. To me, it's and bullshit. It, I think it's complete yeah, it bullshit. And, and because, what I think we're gonna oh sorry, sorry, Ty, go ahead. Because I was gonna say, like I said, I feel like if you this information was such a turnoff for making her a head coach, you should have fucking known this before you made her a finalist and made it known to your sources, to your reporters yeah. that you are a source for. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um yeah. And I'm afraid yeah, that we're gonna see, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna see this trend in the future. Um with uh, with Becky, it may be with other female head coaches. Um, I think we're going to see some type of like uh, like Rooney Rule being used to the NBA for a PR stunt, except it's going to be based around gender. Um, and this seems to be one of the first first uh, instances of it. You know, instead of it, you having to interview a black coach, you're interviewing a female coach, and they may not have to, but it looks like teams are going to try and pop themselves up in a PR stunt, say, oh, look, we're interviewing them. We're going to hire a former player with zero coaching experience in a checkered past. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think once I think once Becky do, Becky or some other female, because I know that the Pelicans have a assistant coach that's coming up the ranks that yes. could possibly take a head coaching job too there. Once mm-hmm. there is a female head coach, I think the, gate, I think the floodgates are going to open. And I think it's just going to become a normal thing where fe- – Females are part of coaching staffs, and it's not going to be a major, major significant news thing. It's going to be part of everyday life, and that should be the goal. It's, it's not, it's not trying to force. I don't think the 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 league should try to force anything like that. It's not gone well in the NFL, but it's, and I will say the league at least doesn't have a has an issue with race or anything like that. With it comes to their coaches, it's just in terms of gender at the moment where it seems a little bit lackluster. But the league has made strides to forward that. With the WNBA getting a lot more, a lot more press coverage, a lot more media coverage in terms of that, they're getting pushed out there and they are getting support. And now you're seeing a lot more female female coaches within coaching staffs. And now you're seeing Becky Hammond get interviewed. But to use that as a fucking PR stunt, what the fuck? And then, yeah, I mean, they also interviewed another female head coach. They interviewed. Don Staley, who's the head coach for the South Carolina Gamecocks women's program. So, like, I don't know. It kind of felt like they also brought her now when you look at it from the outside after all this stuff. Like, they brought her in as well just to say, not only did we interview a woman in the finals, but we also had another woman in the running. You know, like, yeah. it just is it, – it was really, really weird. And I would also say, like, not only does the NBA have, like, a like a gender problem in terms of wanting to allow females to have a, an opportunity to coach, but, like, also for a league that's primarily black, there's, like – Almost no black head coaches. So, like, I do think there's still, like, some some issues there. But, yeah, I think the NBA and, – and I'm glad that they went with, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. They supported it and that they put stuff on the court and back of jerseys. But to me, that only really goes so far. And I think sometimes the NBA pretends to be more woke than it actually is. Yeah. But um, that, that's just my opinion. What's funny is um, aren't three out of the four remaining coaches in the playoffs black? Yeah. Atlanta, Nate McMillan, um, and the Suns. The only white Williams, Bud, Monty Williams, and Ty Lue. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, like you think that? I don't know. I I feel like you would follow trends. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and yeah. like because race has always been seen as like a kind of like you know I don't want to get into it, but neither here nor there. Like you, you know where it's going whenever you're talking about race and when you're talking about especially black versus white in positions of power, especially in sports. Um, I don't know. I feel like the natural progression would be for more female coaches to be hired. And I'm not saying that you should hire a female coach over a male, even if the male is more uh, qualified. I'm just saying, like, don't use them for brownie points on uh, don't Twitter use them and Bleacher Report. Don't yeah. use them as props. And that's, that's... and that's clearly what's been happening because they hire the, they, they interview these two female coaches and they can go ahead and hire Chauncey Billups of all people. Like, <laughs> it just it doesn't make sense. And it's like, it's not... It's not that you should be favoring someone over someone. It's that give them a fucking equal chance. That's all that they want. That's and but to only use them as a prop to get brownie points and then and especially you were looking at like we talked about the maps in terms of that they hired that they had a whole they had a whole issue, a whole PR like failure in terms of how that organization was being ran and and then they they hire a female GM. They and they do they put out efforts to really change the culture there, and then suddenly you go with Jason Kidd. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that they needed to hire Becky Hammond or anything like that, but you could have had some bared, some bared targets. And also, let's be honest, Jason Kidd is not a great head coach. Let's just say that he is not a yeah, great head coach. That's funny is that he's proven himself to be a pretty shit head coach, and he gets this chance. Uh, and um, from what I've heard is that he's kind of the one that broke Giannis's jumper. Which is just a travesty, um, or helped break it. He was—he kind of held the hammer while someone else shattered it. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, do y'all have anything else y'all want to say about this Becky situation? And for the people saying that, oh, it could have been—it could have been the Spurs trash talking them so they couldn't leave. That's not how the fucking Spurs work. Yeah, I, I don't find see that, that as complete bullshit. Just in terms of like, that's not. And if it—if it was like. I feel like they're going to sniff that out pretty quickly. Yeah, they're going to find someone, and you will see them gone from the organization. That just doesn't happen in the Spurs. From from what from what we know, I mean, I don't care. Um, like I don't work for the Spurs, but that just seems like 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 you, unforgivable. Like you, I don't see that happening. I don't yeah. see a freaking like part time water boy that works like. Um, Pee League games in AT and T Center or whatever, seeing that stuff. Let alone someone in the front office or anything. It's it's weird. It's a whole weird situation. And then add on this article from Bleacher Report. It's yeah, and it's clearly from other sources. So it's most likely a leak from somewhere. It's not. And knowing how tight lipped Antonio is, that shit ain't getting out. We've yeah. seen, we we don't know what the fuck this team does in the offseason for a reason because they they are tight lipped and they're not going to let things get out that easily. So it's it's there's a lot of weirdness around it. There's a lot of very sketchy suspect type shit going around, and yeah. it's it sucks that Becky Hammond is getting is stuck in the middle of all this bullshit. Fire. Yeah. So um, like let's go ahead and read some of the comments if you guys don't have it in front of you. Um, da, 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 just reading stuff. This, mm, mm, mm. Dirty hard money. Yeah, I think we need to stop focusing on Billups and what he did. Focus on most likely scenario what they didn't do. What they didn't want to hire a woman. Uh, I'm just kind of reading. Stuff. Do you have Do you have the chat in front of you, Nick? Um, I just pulled it up. I don't have any of the new comments. 
Um, Pop, so Dirty Heart Money said, no, Pop has never stood in the way of someone being poached. He's never had. Ever. We we saw it literally last night where he wasn't yeah. going to stop Will Hardy to go get a job with Yudoka. That was not going to yeah. happen. And I doubt he would stop it at Becky. If he didn't stop at Messina, like, I don't see him stopping at Becky. I feel like, um, I hope I'm saying his last name right. It might be Messina, I don't know. But, um, yeah, like, he he felt like part of Pop. He, it felt like he was related to Pop the way that they looked and talked to each other on the bench. So I don't see him stopping at Becky. Like, I don't see him jumping in and, like, sabotaging. Pop is many things, but a saboteur isn't one of them. So, all right, you guys have any last words on this before we move on? No. I'm good. All right, Jake the Snake actually brings up a good con- brings up an interesting conversation for us. He says, I think last night showed us that John Collins is, is expendable when the Hawks use Okongwu. And Okongwu had a good night. I didn't watch too much of it. I was doing my, my own thing. But with the cap situation that the Hawks currently have going forward with needing to max out Trey Young, going to mm-hmm. keep our pieces, having Okongwu on the bench, what what's our kind of – is anyone's thinking with the Hawks organization of what they might do with John Collins change since last yeah, night? Can I, can I just glow up for a second? Because I had like six or – I had to delete my tweet because I was getting attacked so much. All I said was, Okongwu is the backup plan to Collins. And they said, no, he's the backup plan to Clint Capella. No, 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 no. no. I got like attacked by like some big Hawks people, and I was like, okay, whatever. Funny that uh, I was exactly right, and that Okongwu basically takes Collins' place for way less money. And they're not the exact same player, but he takes his place. He's the one that picks up where he would leave off if someone else signed, when someone else signs Collins. So I feel a little bit vindicated by that. But, yeah, um, I'm still on page on Collins. Um, I don't know about giving him a max. Um, I'm not. I'm still not, like, 100% against it. But I don't know if we'd have to offer a max. Maybe. I don't know. With so many teams in cap hell right now, I don't know many that would offer him $28 million. And if we can get away with, like, 24 I'd do that. Now, what's your thoughts on this? Um, well, I mean, I've never really been big on John Collins. I know Tom Petrini wrote a really nice article about John Collins. He's probably like the biggest John Collins supporter I know. He watches a lot of basketball. I mean, he understands basketball. I'm not going to deny that. But there's a lot of things that you could write good about John Collins. And then there's a lot of things that you can take away from John Collins by removing him from Atlanta. Atlanta is one of the best spacing teams in the NBA. They have one of the best playmakers, shooters with the most gravity as a scorer and a driver in Trey Young. Uh, And San Antonio doesn't have that. San Antonio cannot provide that same sort of infrastructure. So I think if you're getting John Collins, I'm fine with that. $24 million, I'm fine with that. I just want Spurs fans, before he gets here, to just realize he probably will have a dip in productivity. He probably will have a dip in efficiency. And aside from that, like if people keep saying like he's this great creator, he moves pretty well off ball but he only scored 20% of his baskets unassisted last season. Like, everything was from an, yeah. another teammate. And he sets good screens and he rolls well, but I just don't really think that you're going to get, like, this primary number one option in John Collins. You're just going to get somebody who's a complimentary player, and I don't know how far that takes the Spurs, but mm-hmm. if that's what they want to do, you got to take risks. Like, you're a team that's a small market. Players who are, you know, big time don't come available that often, so if they take a risk on him... I'm fine with that, but I think Spurs fans have to be more realistic, pretty much with anyone who comes in the organization, not just Collins, but really everybody who sets yeah. foot into this organization. How do you feel about, because I've been really shifting, um, 
and we've already talked about tomorrow for KP and stuff like that or whatever. Um, how do you feel about just like filling out the roster with our draft pick and then a couple one year deals and then trying to swing hard next because like next year's agency is insane. How do you feel about that over anything? I'd be, I mean, I also would be fine with that. I just think, and I, we've talked about it a lot. I've talked on my podcast. We've talked about it. Like, until Pop is gone, and I'm not saying I want him gone. Like, I don't think you know the direction of this team. So, you know, next year, if you do decide, you know, or this offseason, rather, I guess you decide you just get a few one-year options or maybe a two-year with, like, a second-year option, and you just fill out the roster with the draft picks. I, I'm really fine with that. I'm not really that worried about that. And, like, assuming next year there's this really great class, like, you may be able to chase after someone, but my concern is like that was what was said a few years ago with like the Giannis class and then everybody pretty much like re-upped with their teams. But you never know. Like you cannot – you can't predict that sort of thing. So I'd be fine really either way. I'm kind of, Honestly, at this point, I'm sort of just kind of like along for the ride and trying to enjoy what we can get out of the young guys that the Spurs have and we'll see who they draft and we see who they can sign because, you know, they're they're in an awkward position, but that doesn't mean like – as fans or even as media members, like you have to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to. Oh, be. Um, you can be happy just sort of seeing what's going on. So there was an article that came out today about the Warriors fiercely shopping Wiseman in the seventh pick. What do you think a package looks like around that? Because I, I, I'm I want to buy Wiseman stock. Like I still like Wiseman. I think that again, like the Warriors aren't a bad organization, but he went into a rough spot on a weird team that had weird chemistry issues led by someone who probably has the highest usage rate of all time or one of them being buried behind a center who he's taller than and uh, a little, like a lot worse than right now. So uh, I'm still... Yeah, I mean, I would be fine with it. I would be fine with it. I think last year Wiseman was 12 on my big board. I was pretty low on him compared to the consensus or at least like the big national media big board consensus because he's somebody who he clearly has talent, he has mobility, but he's also super raw. Like he he played very unorthodox for a center in high school and wasn't particularly efficient. And then in college he played like three games and then that's all we got. And now he has to play NBA yeah. competition. So yeah, I mean like he's gonna be a gamble. But for somebody who's the second pick from a year ago, I don't think you can really go all that wrong trying to get him in the seventh yeah. pick. But man, I don't know what a package looks like. That's really tough. Like maybe, man, I don't know. Like, what, do you even have one in mind? Um, I think so, and I I wouldn't be keen on that, but it's not like a forever contract now, right? It's like two years left, something like yeah. that. Like, I was thinking if DeMar would want to sign and trade, I feel like he would. I feel like he would compliment the what We've already been over this, but the Warriors really well, but like maybe sign and trade um, DeMar 12 and another future first, or Lonnie, or Wiggins, Wiseman, and 7, and that gives us Wiggins, Wiseman, and maybe Scotty Barnes out of it, um, which I think is a pretty good haul, and those pieces complement the Warriors really well. Um, or maybe we could throw Jakob in there because they'd be missing out on a pretty good center. Like, like they'd be missing out on some size. Um, I don't know. It, um, I, think, package... I just think if you trade for him and you get him... Go ahead, Ty. I was going to say, a package with the Warriors, it would certainly try... The Warriors themselves would be trying to relieve themselves of that cap hell that they're stuck in. Like I feel yeah. like that's a must. Yeah, and I, I feel like if you if you get like Wiseman and you're moving away from Jakob, then he's pretty much automatically your starting center. And to me, that signals you're not trying to win right now. And I think as long as Pop's here, they're going to try to win. 
So I, I I don't know how that works out. But also, like, the seventh pick, I think Scotty Barnes would be a fantastic value there. But he's also a guy who, like, I think if you're thinking of trading up in a draft and you pretty much need to know it's somebody who's going to be able to help you, not just, like, necessarily immediately, but, like, long-term, they're going to have to have some, like, significant value. And I think to a certain point, like, Scotty Barnes is almost like a poor man's Ben Simmons in terms of how he drives to the basket, gets people involved. He can shoot a little bit, but not really. Like at this point, yeah. he he doesn't. And I know people see like those workout videos, and I'll just say right now, like everyone has workout videos before the draft happens, That's and everyone. everybody looks better before the draft happens. So, so like I, I don't really buy into it, but I like Keon. I mean, there's just so many guys. Like I think the Spurs are in a perfect position at 12, where there's so much good talent that you can't. Oh, you almost can't go wrong. Like yeah. at 12. You could potentially pick Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Moses Moody, James Booknight, Jaden Springer, Keon. I mean, there's just so many guys. And Kai, you know, Kai Jones, too, would also be in that mix. So it's like at 12, you might as well just play it safe there. And I know, like, you don't want to play it safe forever if you're the Spurs. But to me, you're almost like moving up seven, like for what you're going to have to give up or even take back in return in terms of cap. It, it may not be worth it, but I mean, it, it could be. It could be in the long run. Maybe James Wiseman, you get the most out of him and he becomes something better. But uh, and I'm not a huge guy on NBA comps like for players, but if you had to give a comp for Wiseman, he's like in terms of how his game and like how he approaches it and his style and um, you know his feel for the game at this point, he's more comparable to someone like Hassan Whiteside, who clearly has become almost useless in the NBA, and that's not a good thing. Like <laughs> that's not a good thing. You want you want more than than that of the second pick, but maybe they get more out of him. Like Has, what what could Hassan Whiteside could have become? Like we could throw that out, you know, if he had been with a better organization, who knows? So. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I think they'd have to think about it for a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. It's what, and I think someone put it. Someone brought up a great question in the chat, and I think it kind of re, really, really relates this. Uh, Derry Hardman asked, "Do you think the Spurs' development machine might be overrated, and is just kind of cruising on their history?" And I think this really plays well in terms of if you do get Wiseman, I think your goal would be to further develop him, especially since you have since he has so little experience in terms of professional play, only playing those three games in college and barely not even playing a full season this last season in uh, Golden State. What, what do you guys think about that, starting with you, with you Nick? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call the Spurs develop machine, development machine overrated. Um, like, I think if anything, it's still underrated because we're still being able to develop people like Lonnie, like Derek and uh, DeJounte at 29. Uh, Lonnie was, what, 18? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, Devin's like, like a lot of these guys had almost zero minutes in their whole first season. Sometimes their first and second season, like with Lonnie, and they're still looking like players who at least played decent, consistent minutes through their first two seasons. So the the development is there, the system is there. I think it's being held back, if anything, by how rotations are employed, and we've been beating a dead horse with how weird rotations are for the team. I wouldn't call it overrated at all. Um, I would call it uh, it's being throttled right now uh, by vets. And um, I think, you know, it could return to glory pretty soon if uh, the people that we've been talking to, their reports are true about the team going almost strictly youth this season. Yeah, that's just me. If the cards are played right, you could see the development just kind of skyrocket. You still see the Spurs be able to develop undrafted undrafted talent. Right? Is. I guess maybe not the biggest, but like, look, look at how big of a, a playmaking leap Lonnie took 
from his second season to his third, where the second he didn't even really play either. And all of a sudden, he's this like extremely strong playmaker and passer. Came out of almost nowhere. And I know he had some of the skills before, but like he looks like someone who played serious minutes throughout the start of his career with the way he's able to create shots, you know, pass the ball, playmake, like um, set up guys for good shots. And like that, that's on the Spurs development team. And of course, you know, he was working in the offseason with people like Drew Holiday and stuff who, who probably taught him a few things. But like I, our guys are developing without really playing. And when there's players from their draft class who are playing without developing, you know? So maybe I'm being a bit too protective and maybe a little biased, but I don't see it as necessarily overrated at all. No? Yeah, I mean, I would not call it overrated. Um, and I know I keep saying, like, I, I don't mean to be, like, bashing Spurs fans. I love How Spurs fans. You? I'm a Spurs fan to a certain extent, too, like... Uh, but I, I look at this and I just think it's like funny. People are always hooked on this idea that like you get Tony at 28, you got Manu at 58, you got Kawhi at 15. And like Kawhi is sort of like a historical outlier. Work ethic is off the charts. Uh, he, he had all the physical attributes he wanted. We just weren't sure if he was going to develop, develop as an offensive player. It worked out. But with like Tony and Manu, that was really before the whole league picked up on the sort of advent of international scouting. Like, now everybody's on that train. Everybody's looking overseas in college. They're looking in the G League now that players can skip college and go to the G League. So, you know, San Antonio is going to miss out on international guys because everybody is looking at those guys now. So if we're being realistic and we're looking at who they've got, like, we've, we've got guys like Keldon. We have people who, like, DeJounte and Derek at 29. Most players drafted at 29 only ever become role players if you're lucky. These are three guys who are clearly at the very bare minimum starter level players. So if that's what they're doing with the developmental system, then that's excellent. That's it that's is. literally better than most of the league. And I'm not I'm not being a homer in, in any way. Like that is just better than what most teams do. There are some teams like the Kings or or the Cavs or the Magic who draft consistently at the top of the draft. They're they're poor at identifying talent, work ethic, and they don't know how to bring along players. And so they're just stuck in purgatory, even though they should be getting good players. And like and you, see, you, you know the Spurs are there picking late, and they're fine. And you yeah. see those players specifically get stuck in purgatory themselves. You look at Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley. I think Darren Fox is kind of stuck at this point, but like players of those of that top like five caliber getting stuck with these teams that just don't know how to utilize them, don't know how to develop them. It hurts their careers in the long run too, and it sucks. No, I have a question for you. Actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go Someone for it. brought up. Um, we've talked about Jaws a little bit. We've talked about Bagley. I feel like I know where you're sitting on this, but how do you feel about? Uh, Rashawn Holmes on a contract somewhere between 16 and 18 million a year. I really liked Rashawn Holmes a year ago. Like I was pretty public about liking him because I think he brings something to the team that they don't have in terms of a, 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 a like a lob target. He's also a really good rim protector. He can play more than just drop coverage in certain in certain situations, depending on the other team's personnel. But I think right now it doesn't make a lot of sense because you'll never ever be able to play him alongside Jakob because they both cannot shoot. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. I wouldn't bring him in unless you're maybe moving on from Jakob. But I do like him a lot. Like I, I want to get this. Right. I do like him a lot. Um, and at that number, would I start it, him over Jakob? Mm. I guess depending. no, not necessarily because I. 
I think they're just so like redundant. I'd rather have someone who you can maybe bring you like a little bit of a different skill set. Like, and that's why I think I like Kai Jones so much at twelve. Not yeah. to keep going back to Kai Jones, but like someone who has the potential to, at the very least, be like a standstill three-point shooter who can be a, 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 rim, a rim protector to a certain extent, but has the mobility to guard on the perimeter better than Jakob does. And then also yeah. someone who can be a lob catch target. So that's why I like him more than I like potentially adding Rashawn Holmes to this team. I see somebody in the comments asked about Bagley. I like him too. I'm pretty sure he's still under contract. I think that would be a fine like buy low swing, but because um, he has a, a different skill set than Jakob, obviously, and he can play a little bit of four and five, but even yeah. so, I don't know what it's going to take to get him. I don't know if the Kings are ready to give up on... What was he? He was the second pick, right? Like He was before yeah. Luka and after, uh, Aiden. or He was right after Aiden, rather. Yeah, so, so that's crazy. That's insane, but He's also been injured, so that's a, a little bit of a red flag. He's always I, been injured. I think that you'll you, that you'll find out what the Kings Kings future is with Bagley coming up because he is coming up in the last season of his rookie contract. He should be if they are going to extend him, it's going to happen this off season. If not, mm-hmm. he's going to your restricted free agency. So yeah, I have yeah. one more question for both of y'all about players, and Ty knows we're going to sit on this. Like, and I just have to ask you, and, and I hope you answer correctly. What do you feel about Jarrett Allen, <laughs> especially whenever his asking price is looking at over $22 million a year, up to $25 million a year? Um, I really like Jared Allen. If I had to choose between Jared Allen and Yaka Pertle, I would take Jared Allen every day. But the fact that Jared Allen would be asking that sort of – he would be commanding that sort of dollar, I wouldn't be interested and I also, even if he was asking for less, like sort of in that Rashawn Holmes range, I wouldn't be interested because I think he does bring pretty much the same skill set as Rashawn Holmes. He's a little bit redundant to Jakob. So I think he's really good, but I think he's going to get overpaid. I think he's maybe a little bit overvalued at this moment, but I do think a lot of fans may underrate him. But at the same time, he's probably going to get overpaid. And that's a weird line to be sitting on. But that, I mean, that's basically my opinion on Jared Allen. I don't, I don't really think they need him. I would agree with that. I, I agree in terms of was, that. He's redundant. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. uh, the, I, price, I was, the price point's too high. Whenever the money was going out, before the money went out, I was thinking, well, it'd be cool to get Jared Allen, right? Like 13, 14 a year. Like, that, that's that's fair for his skill set, what he brings. Um, but, like, I saw an article, and I think this may, or it may have been a tweet from a, maybe not Chris Haynes, maybe Zach Lowe or someone, where it, like, it said somewhere that the, the Cavs or someone may be giving him up to $25 million a year. And I'm just like, I mean, oh, that sounds man. like a Cavs move. I wonder if I can find that real quick. Y'all, y'all keep talking. I'm going to see if I can find that real quick. Yeah, the pri- yeah I mean, with with Jared Allen, I think he's he's valuable, right? Like, Ty, you you know he's got to have some value. I mean, he's he was good for the Nets. He looked really good with the Cavs, but still... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't pay him that much. I yeah, see somebody asked about Christian Wood for like the this, 12. Like I don't offseason. think that, that would never happen. They value him too much for the 12th pick. Um, yeah, look at this. So May 16, 2020, and this was on Cavaliers Nation, but um, it was pushed by Bleacher Report, um, a couple other places. Um, right here, NBA. So this is just from an a- NBA agent, but they seem pretty tapped in overall. And um, the market well, said NBA agent says Jarrett Allen could draw a contract around $25 million a year. Um, I think anything over 16 is an overpay, and anything over 18 or 20 is a ridiculous, like, lose-your-front-office job overpay. 
especially on a contract that's probably would be at least three or four years. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I just I had a lot of people that I was talking arguing with the past couple months about like they want Jared Allen. They said give him twenty, give him twenty five. I'm like I wouldn't give Demar twenty, dude. Like or twenty five. I, I don't know about twenty. But, like, y'all got to slow down. Jared Allen is not as good as y'all think, man. He, like, Kelvin Johnson dropped 20 rebounds on him in the game. Like, you got, y'all got to chill out a little bit. And I'm just I'm trying to look at the numbers so I can compare them. And it's it's not like he does too much different than Jakob in terms of, like, like, per game he is scoring slightly more. He's getting slightly more rebounds, like maybe two more per game. And I know that makes a difference for sometimes. Like he, he can bring you double double on a probably a nightly basis. He was averaging that with this season with like twelve point eight points per game and ten rebounds. Yeah. But I'm not and sure. That's not a bad team where a, a player that would command a twenty five mil contract should be giving you at least what eighteen and thirteen at, at that number at least, especially well, he, on a yeah. team without any other uses bigs. But I don't see, I don't see, while he might bring you some more offense, he's not bringing the same defense that Jakob can do. And like Noah said, it's very redundant to have two of those guys on the roster, especially if you're paying him $13, 15000000 million more than Jakob Pertl. It's, you You should be saving your money. Go with, go with the price-efficient version of what you want. And uh-huh. it's, again, the difference is not too direct drastic between the two yeah he can dunk and probably put more a highlight show but it's just not as like it's you you have you do have an abundance of cap but don't go wasting on redundant pieces don't go wasting on guys that are not going to fit your system or anything like that it's yeah he's Dwayne Deadman without foul troubles in an afro like that's how I see him I'm not I'm just not a big Jared Allen fan and that's 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 hyperbole yeah like I don't. I don't really want Jared Allen on our team. He's like, a good bench mob guy, but he's not as good as Drew. He's a good defensive guy. He's not as good of a defender as Jakob. He's a good rebounding guy, but you don't give someone eighteen million a year for rebounding, unless they're giving you like twenty, twenty-five a game. He won't score that many points. The thing with uh, Jared Allen, though, I think is like he's still really young. You know, like he's only twenty-two years old, and I think he hasn't necessarily scratched the surface of what he can do. He's shown some shooting potential. Like, he's willing to shoot the three when he's open, but he's not really knocking it down. But he's also not – he's not shooting a good percentage. I think career, he's like 32 or 33. But if we're going to make the argument he can't shoot, like, Lucas Shamanich also shot like 29% from three. So I don't think percentages are necessarily always representative. But, yeah, again, like, I think the biggest point is he's just redundant on this roster. Can he be a better lob target than Jakob? Yeah, like 99% of NBA centers are. But – that doesn't I mean that's not the end all be all for NBA centers and I don't and I want to ask y'all a question and I'll give you, you know, my opinion on it in a second, but I, I don't really think Jakob's a starting center in the NBA unless he's no. in the right situation and clearly San Antonio isn't no. winning, so that's not the right situation right now. He would be the best backup center in the league, probably. But me Ty and I have been talking about this for a while. Like he should not be our long term solution at center. Um and there's a there's but a reason Spurs only signed over three years too. By the way, just as a yeah. as a reminder. But with, with that being said, I don't want to take away from uh, just how incredible he is defensively and how clutch he can be in some aspects and how good of a bridge he's been. Because if we if we didn't get him in that trade, man, like we may still be paying seventy five year old Pau Gasol to help our young guys. Like like he's been good for us. He's He's produced more than we could have asked, especially in that trade, since he was just kind of tacked on. 
but like he shouldn't be starting a year or two from now for us. He should be an insane backup though, and help Derek run that second unit if Derek's a second unit. I don't know. It depends on who we draft, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I feel that way. Ty, do you feel the same way? I still think that Yuck can be a starting center. There, he just is a lot more in terms of he is the defensive. He's the defensive anchor. He does a lot more on offense than I. And then the stats and the box scores we don't ever show. He does a lot more off ball stuff. The screen. How? What was it? I want to say I forgot what the ranking was, but he was like one of the top screen assist guys in the league. And that I, I think he does a lot more than the box score. And yeah, the lack of dunking early on in the season and kind of throughout the season was not a great look. Eventually, he started dunking again, and then the free throw issues came up, and then yeah. he kind of resolved. I think he's definitely can still grow. I'm not going to say that he's going to be. He's never going to be like an All NBA center. He's not going to be anything like that. He's. Now he he's never going to be one of the top seniors in the league. I don't think that's. But do you think he can start for a contending team? I think is the question. I think so too. It, it, the uh, position, in the right in the right situation yes. though, like he could start. It has to be the right situation. AD like if you're with like a LeBron or Luca, sure. Like, like then, yeah, like like he could he honestly could be starting that Nets team. And again, that's a situation thing. He could be starting with with the with the Clippers. It's like there's some teams that he's not going to beat out guys like Aiton. But there are some teams that he think he could be very he can be pretty valuable in if he's utilized uh, the proper way. Now is he a top fifteen center? I think he's close to it. He's maybe close. he's close. Uh, probably around, somewhere uh, between fourteen and seventeen, right? He's one of the he. If you yeah, look, maybe somewhere around there. If you're looking at like all thirty teams and their centers, Jakob is certainly in the top fifteen part of like the better the better fifteen half of that of that. Of the league, I would say, in my opinion. Just in terms okay. of defense I do maker. think he should be the long term center from our team. We're not talking not about that. Like, I don't think long term it's going to be. The, I don't think that's going to be right. It's just, again, they signed him for, he only has two more seasons left on his contract. And I think that can't, that kind of gave the Spurs some wiggle room in terms of see if he can develop his offensive game further. I would love, I, we saw a tape of this during his draft and occasionally in Toronto where he did take the three. Where he actually took some jo- some shots outside of the re- of the paint, I would like to see him. I'd like to see more of a green light for him on that part because I want to see what he can do. I would think I would like to think he has a jump shot, but it's just we haven't seen we he has never been in the role or position to do that. So yeah, I'm, I also feel like, um, and this may just be, I could be completely wrong. I want y'all to correct me if I am. I feel like Demar never looked at him that often. Whenever it was Demar's turn to play mate. And I could be wrong on that. Like I feel Jakob? Like, yeah. Like Jakob? Jakob. I could be wrong. But I feel yeah, like I... Jakob and, like, Derek, Jakob and Lonnie had, like, really good connections that Jakob just didn't share with Damar, who was our main playmaker for the better part of two years. Yeah. Um, I think you're right to, like, a certain extent. I also think Jakob is super limited as, like, a target for I mean because it's hard to get him the ball you have to there is no above the rim play for him as a lob target that's just not going to happen so everything's got to be bounce pass everything's got to be you find a little opening to get him the ball and then once he's near the rim he's not much of a dunker unless he's like wide open and he has a lane to take off from so he's going to throw up those little floaters the papa shots and I don't know personally I wouldn't really like I wouldn't I don't I don't care too much that DeMar didn't look at him that much but it is a little strange that like it seemed that DeJounte and Derek had a, a lot better chemistry with him. Um, I did want to just 
address something in the comments about Shingun at 12. Every time I see that name, I will say no. Um, I like him. I think he's really solid. But in the lottery, I don't think he makes sense. Um, the more and more I watch of him, yeah. like anytime I see help. someone suggest Shingun at 12, I'm going to say no. Go watch his defense. Like it's it's going to be really rough. It is the worst. Like uh, to me, honestly, it's like like to me, he's not even like he's. I I don't even think he's like an awful defender. I think he's gonna be like average, just at, at the peak average in the NBA there. But like, if you look at at like the way the NBA is going, there's not a lot of like strictly post bigs anymore who yeah. are taken in the lottery, and there's a reason for that. Like people say, he can shoot. He can't. He didn't hardly shoot at all. There's a bunch of videos of him shooting, and again, that's what happens during draft season. So I, I hate to get like off course, but anytime I see the name Shingun, really like him, think he's worth a gamble, like outside the lottery. But at twelve, no. Like yeah. if, if you're hoping for 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 Sabonis, not only is does he weigh less than Sabonis, he has a, a, a more slender frame than Sabonis. He's shorter than Sabonis. He's undersized for a center. So no. Um, yeah, he's 18 years old. He has room to grow. That could be the you could say the same thing for any 18 year old. Yeah. I don't like that um, that like line of thinking that you're 18, therefore you have forever to grow. Like every you could say the same thing about any 18 year old. And I know he was dominant like in the second best league in the world, probably, but that's still mm -hmm. not the NBA. Yeah, and so, I would. That's sorry. That's just my tangent. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, and and like I don't think he's awful. Like uh, again, I'm not gonna say he's bad, but like he does to me doesn't make a lot of sense at 12. I think if you want to, if that's your dude, trade down because he'd be fine later. But in the lottery, there will be better options. Am I yeah. the only one that gets pissed off now that like some mock drafts just kind of do the easy way out with picking Spurs and just say, yeah, let's go with one of the top like international picks just because that's. That's how yeah. the Spurs have done it, even though the Spurs have not fucking done that and for the past three seasons where they drafted DeJounte, Lonnie, Derek, Keldon. Yeah, they drafted Lucas Somnich at nineteen, but that was kind of a given. But it's like it's not that's not been the that's kind of not been the Spurs go to in the past five drafts. And have we even dra we haven't drafted the European in the second round in a while either, right? I don't think so. It's, it's weird. Been, I don't think so. No, I it's been uh like Weatherspoon, Matu, um, uh, Blossom game was before Matu, right? Yeah, and I don't know um, if there was a second round pick with Dejounte. So, oh yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's I was, yeah. I just hate, I hate that it's it's just a cop out for some of these mock drafts, and some of these guys just don't fucking make sense. But I think because of like, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I feel like we're going to see an influx of overrated international players, especially with the success of people like Luka and Jokic and stuff like that. And in part due to the Spurs' due diligence, like picking, you know, earlier, especially um, international players. But I feel like like seeing some of these players high, and I don't know a lot about them, but you see like Sengun, like they're getting just a little bit overrated because it's hard to identify the talent they're playing against and how that would translate to the NBA. Because I feel like it's a lot easier to translate basketball skills, like uh, uh, NCAA skills to the NBA and kind of project it. But in like overseas leagues, it can be a little tricky, especially because a lot of the times they're not playing against other people who are going into the draft. But in the NCAA, a lot of these kids are playing against each other. So you can kind of get a feel where they're going. So and uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to add that you were finished. 
Oh uh, yeah, I'm done. I'm basically done. So I do want to talk about with Giddy, I want to talk about Giddy with you, Noah, because Giddy's kind of like a weird prospect. At least I can't judge. I can't really make a determination about. Like there's some things that I think would really work well with this first team, and then there's other things like I feel like there's a bit bigger needs at a at a four or five position. What like what's I like I've looked at the tape. I've looked at his weakness and strengths, and I kind of my impression. But I want to see where where you're at with him. Yeah, I think if Giddy's there at 12, you have to take him. He's a better passer than anyone on the team right now. Um, and yeah, like somebody said earlier, you know, he someone's 18, and like you have to take that into account. Sure, if we want to do that, then Giddy is also 18, so he's hardly even really grown into his frame. He's still pretty slender. He finishes really well at the rim, actually, for someone who's yeah. so small. But I think his issue is getting there. He doesn't have very great athleticism. He's pretty limited there. Um, as a shooter, he's not as bad as his per percentages show. He was really bad. Like, he was so bad at the start of the year that by the time he found, like started figuring things out, it was too late. Like, his percentage was, I think, ended up at 30% from three. But it was better over the second half of the season. And I think it's important to remember, like... He played in the same exact league where LaMelo Ball just came out of, where R.J. Hampton just came out of, and he had a much better season than R.J. Hampton did, and R.J. Hampton looked pretty good during his rookie year. And I think Josh Giddy has more tangible skills. Like, he's not just an athlete. He's not just someone who can pull up. Like, he's got some things that are going to probably be an issue once he gets to the NBA, but I don't think he's a guy who you'd look at immediately and say, like, oh, well, it's just not going to work out. Yeah, um, he's just it's, he's never going to get better because all these guys are young. They have time to grow. And one of the things I do I really like about Giddy is that basketball IQ. Dude's fucking brilliant in terms of basketball IQ. I was watching some breakdown tape and dude was dude knows his shit. He knows what he's talking about. And, and some of the ways that some of those passes he got off were just like, how the fuck do you get that? And like my notes, like, again, he's probably one of the best passers in this class. And. If you put him in, yeah. if, you, if you put him on this team, I think that he's definitely going to be a, kind of a lead ball handler in terms of at least with a second unit. I would, I, at least I would think. Yeah, he could be. And he then, could be, yeah, and I think he has a tighter handle than people probably give him credit for too. And he's not as bad at defense as I think people are just assuming he is because he's so small. Like he's a really good off-ball defender he makes the right rotations he knows where to be but i think like man to man he struggles because he's just so 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 skinny and apparently he's added like 20 pounds of muscle over the last year which is incredible if that's true but um even then he's still pretty skinny yeah so uh i want to say it was olgan yulik of espn australia he reported that giddy added like 15 pounds to be up into 220 at a 6-8 frame which if that's the case i honestly can't wait to see and i think that I think that he's going to be trying to play with with the uh, Boomers in Tokyo, so I would certainly that's certainly going to be something that you want to watch. But like you were saying with his defense, his one on one defense isn't great, and he's just because it is like his like you said his frame. He's just a little bit slow with his athleticism, but his team defense, his help defense, it's solid stuff, and he does a really lot of good things off ball. So, like one of the notes I put, he reminds me of Luka Doncic in terms of playmaking, just without the athleticism. I'm not, like, I'm not comparing them the two, but I'm just kind of comparing that certain play style. I would say. No, it's tell me. Yeah, if I'm I mean wrong. he's a good. I think he's a. Yeah, I think he's a good passer. I think like with Doncic, that the guy's generational, so it's hard to like really make a one for one comparison. But I think Giddy can, and like this is sort of a cop out 
because Ben Simmons also plays for the Australian national team. But I think he's similar to Ben Simmons in that, like, yeah, he can make every pass in the book. Um, he, he knows where his teammates are at all time. His vision is incredible. And the only problem is, you know, to maximize that skill, you got to be able to put pressure on the defense. And Ben Simmons doesn't really do that. You know, he can get to the rim occasionally, but he's uncomfortable shooting. And Giddy, while he, like, shot the ball in the NBA, players are never, ever, 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 ever going to follow him above the screen. They're always going to go under. They're going to let him shoot. It's going to be hard for him to get to the rim with better athletes defending him. And so I think you have to worry a little bit, like, how much can he maximize his passing and his playmaking because people are going to take that away from him in certain aspects. Yeah, his jump shot was a little stiff, at least in the tape. I'm not sure if that was from early in the season or later in the season. He's not going to have that time to – he's not going to have the closeouts the NBL had coming in the NBA. Those NBA closeouts are too quick or too quick for him to have a, such a stiff jump shot. Yeah, I don't think players are even going to really close out on him very hard. Like, they're going to leave him open. He's not – at this point, he's not a good shooter, but – it is what it is. Um, I, I think you got to take him if he's there at 12, but there's also like a handful of guys who I'm like, you got to take him if they're there at 12, just because I think there is not really a lot of guys you can go wrong with at 12 for the Spurs. I will say at least with Giddy, at least he's taking the shots outside of the paint. Yeah. I, I, that's why I at least like it's, you might have a Ben Simmons comparison, but at least he has a little bit of a jump. He at least has a jump shot that he, he's willing to take. So yeah, the only the only way you can mess up at twelve is Kispert, and I'll die on that hill. <laughs> where, like, no, where do you think? That, where do you think? Yeah, it is? that'd be tough. That well, Kispert at seventeen. Book it. I I think Kispert anywhere outside of like sixteen or seventeen or or if you want to take him in the lottery and you already have the infrastructure of like a really good team and that's like the piece you're missing, like the guy who can sort of be like a Doug McDermott or a Duncan Robinson of sorts, like then that's fine. But for the Spurs, it doesn't make sense. Like, the dude's already about to be 23. He doesn't have a ton of upside. He's a better defender than people give him credit for. He can actually operate in the pick and roll pretty well as a passer, but there's not a lot of upside there. You pretty much know what you're getting, and if your value at, you know, 12 is Doug McDermott, unless you're, like, the Suns or something, and obviously they're not in the lottery, but unless you're, like, the Suns and you need a shooter or something like that, then, no, I don't think he makes sense. And I, don't, I don't think there's a really a team in the, in the lottery that, can really take Hispert in that with their lottery pick. Maybe, maybe Golden State takes him at fourteen after because if say that they do have seven, they get someone that they need or they trade for someone. Then they get Kispert as kind of like a contingency plan for Clay. I think that could be a way to go. Yeah. But no one, I don't really see anyone else in the lottery really having that infrastructure like you said, Noah, to really take them. Maybe New Orleans put a shooter around around Zion, but even then, there's better players around, better players that will be available at that point. Like New Orleans, yeah, they've got to figure something out. Yeah, yeah. Or they're gonna lose. I, I still, I still think they're gonna lose Zion and be moved to Seattle or Vegas or something. Like, I don't see that organization hanging around much longer. They're just they've they've had it too good to be this down. <laughs> like, I just don't understand it. It's when we if do we all agree that New Orleans could be a team that could be it could be relocated at some point in time in like say the next five year five to ten years. I, yeah, it, I think so. I think it's, so. Especially if they lose. Yeah, they've got terrible branding. They've got like two all stars. It maybe even two like a, a superstar and like a French superstar. And like, I don't think anybody cares about them. And yeah. It, and even with the hype that Zion gets, they can't even put a good enough team around him to make the playoffs. 
they missed playoffs twice. Yeah, that's crazy. I understand the first season where it was kind of Zion was hurt for the first part, and then you had the bubble and everything. But this season, you had a chance to do it, and you fucked that up. I don't know how you do that. And honestly, if you put Zion in any other team, I think that team can make can be a borderline playoff team. Just no, play. if you put Zion no. on any other team, even a bad team, they are a playoff team. Like, New Orleans is a perfect shitstorm of just, like, I, I, I don't know. If you put Zion it was weird. in place of anyone besides De'Aaron Fox on the Kings, they're a playoff team. Like, I just, I don't get New Orleans, dude. I don't get it. You have one of the best, pa- I think, one of the best passes in the league in Lonzo. You have Brandon Ingram. Yeah. You have... Um, Zion, like you, you have everyone around you. Like, I, I just that team is like an. It, it, I think it's just an anomaly. Like this year, especially, it's just a weird anomaly of just like bad, bad decisions, weird coaching, bad schemes, uh, poor uh, vision of like the franchise and how players should be utilized. It was so weird. Like, I don't, and they. Yeah, didn't I mean, who put Stephen Adams there? Yeah, that no, like that's put Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, two guys who are like not shooters, especially like okay, Bledsoe for a guard is a non shooter, he can shoot a little bit, but like Steven Adams is basically only going to stand in the dunker spot. Like, it doesn't matter what you yeah. do with him, he's never ever, no one's gonna, even if you put him on the three point line, people are going to crowd the paint because he can't shoot. Like, his only career three is like this jacked thing he threw from like three quarter court. That's his only career three. So, yeah, it was like the worst roster construction of all time. And yeah, I worried man. about that. And I talked to some people last year about it, and it, it didn't work out. Like, it was yeah. it was doomed to fail. And the only reason they beat us in the first game was um, they had a they had 21 more free throws than us. We, we, we lost by like two or three. Like, and, and you saw that as a trend. Like, that team was getting ridiculous amounts of free throws in close games it was nuts like they, they'd be up like four or five on a team but have 17 more free throws and i don't know if you say that that's like shady refing or what but like like that team was set up to su- succeed by the league the refs like by adam silver by god himself like <laughs> like it just didn't happen and it's just so strange man and i get the roster construction like steven adams split, so that's that's like awful and did they trade JJ Redick this season, right? Like in the middle of the season? Yeah, they they had to. That yeah, was... yeah, yeah. Because Redick was like, "Yeah, y'all, 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 y'all are down bad. Like y'all are down cataclysmically. Like I don't know, I can't help y'all." And then he went and played for the Mavericks in civilian clothes, basically, because he didn't do anything. And then you add on what JJ said about that front office, where oh, yeah, dude. David Griffin is just not a trustworthy guy. Yeah. It's, that's the one instance I wouldn't blame like a superstar like Zion force his way out. That's like that, and then like LeBron's first stint with Cleveland. Like I, I just you do you, King. Like I, I'm behind you on that. You need to get in a better situation because, like, with with some teams like uh, Portland's starting to look like that, but like with the Spurs with us and Kawhi, like we didn't deserve that. Um, you know, I mean. There are certain teams that do this. The Rockets didn't deserve it with Harden, I'll say that much. Um, but, man, I mean, how do you lose Anthony Davis, win the lottery, and now you're about to lose Zion Williamson over the course of a couple of years? It is astounding. That's hard to fuck up. It really is. And <laughs> I don't know I don't know what the direction is for that Pelicans team. We've seen it time and time again that it's, nothing's really worked in New Orleans before. There's a reason they moved to Charlotte. 
there's a reason that they rebranded to the Pelicans. And yeah. you, it's just, if it, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's the ownership and their decision making, if it's who, with how they, who they pick to run in front office. David Griffin, yeah. I think, is an extremely overrated GM, in my opinion. He got bailed out by having LeBron on that roster. And even then, my lord, how many times did they fucking change players in the middle of the season? What I forgot which season it was that they traded nearly half the roster at the trade deadline. And, Are you talking about in Cleveland? Yeah, in Cleveland, with David Griffin um, at, in charge. It, it was the year that they had D. Wade, and then, like, George Hill, and then, like, Isaiah Thomas, and, like, that was just the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life also. Like, like I think there it was a... It had to have been 2009, 18, or 19, right? It's like because 17 or 18, it's one of the that's two. The season, that's the season before they drafted Colin Sexton, I think, because that's the season uh, LeBron left. Like, they were just trying to keep LeBron. Yeah, it was the last LeBron season. Mm-hmm. But, man, that Pelicans organization... Yeah. Should we just call them the Seattle Sonics at this point? Because that's going to happen. <laughs> Dude, I love seeing teams in our district like the downfall. Like, or our district, our, you know. You know <laughs> Division? Division, yes. Oh, you yeah. just called it a district? <laughs> like, sorry, I was talking yeah, what's about... Yeah, all the same? Yeah, I was talking about high school sports earlier with my granddad. Um, but yeah, our division, like, dude, I hope, I hope they all crash and burn. I don't give a shit. But, like, it's just... It's like watching a plane crash... No, it's like watching a meteor hit an asteroid that crashed through a plane and landed on a preschool. Like you, you're just like what? it's just—it's like the most vulgar display of just awfulness and failure, and like, like the most catastrophically, weirdly, just like you can't even describe it. Like I don't know how that team doesn't make the playoffs. I don't know how that team is failing so hard with Zion Williamson, who is. As far as I'm concerned, besides maybe Giannis, probably the most humble and likable superstar in the league. And one of, like, he is an incredibly humble guy on the microphone. Um, he's so easy to like. He seems like he's pretty easy to please. You know, he doesn't get out there and complain much. Um, he hustles his butt off. He worked through an injury. He came back too early after that injury, didn't complain. And it, it, it sounds like his family is the one saying that they want him out. It's not even him saying. So it's like, how do you screw that up with someone who seems like such an amazing person to coach and uh, to employ under your, to have as the face of your franchise? It's just insane. Like, I just don't get it. Noah, do we need to give you like a microphone arm? Because I, I just see you holding that microphone. I feel like we got to get you like, yeah, a this... mic arm. Dude, there's a microphone arm. Like I can, my, I my stand. Amazon for like, like $12 and it's my metal microphone arm. And that thing is up the bomb. Yeah, not not to even like flex literally right now, but <laughs> this thing is low key kind of heavy, and I've been like, I've been trying to like lift weights and like get in better shape this year because I just was a like fat piece of shit during COVID and like lost that, a lot. Of my arms like, being tired from like, lifting noted. weights plus like this mic, like this has been this has been a painful experience holding this <laughs> holding this mic. Like, um, noticeably slimmer, so, man. Yeah, I need I need to get like a thing. Well, I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. I, I've been trying to run and like get in better shape, so I'm trying because uh, <laughs> I got up to like my highest weight ever, and I've gained weight at, like 164. Oh man, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Wait, I, yeah, I need I need y'all to recommend me before. like a, an arm. 
I'll, yeah, I'll, but also like I'm really small. Ty can tell you I'm like really, really short. Like I'm five six. So yeah, but you like, that's like sort of on the heavier end. Like funny enough, the highest I weighed um, was about two months ago, and I've lost some since then because I had that really awful bulging disc back injury. I couldn't move. I went up yeah. to exactly two sixty four, so I was a hundred more than you. Damn. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it. I, I'm get, I'm getting it off. Um, you can ask Ty about like we were watching the election together, and I was like laying down on my stomach on my bed for like four days, just dude. like, and that's why I did for like two months. I just couldn't move, gained so much weight, dude. Like Damn. I gained like thirty five pounds or something Damn. in four months. Yeah, he was Nick yeah, was stuck was stuck for a while. Like I. I was like, "Are you still at home?" Like, and he's, like, "Yeah, I'm still doing." I was like, "Damn, it's been a while at this point." And you yeah, just... I I could play video games for like three hours a day, maybe two, or like sit in my chair. It was like, "I'm done." I like, I have to lay down. That's what got me addicted to TikTok because I was just on my stomach, like watching TikTok. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I, I'm losing it. I'm getting back in shape, getting ready for the Spurs float party. <laughs> Yeah, you've got the gun show going. I saw you the other day. You had a gym pick. I don't know if everybody got to saw it, but yeah, oh, yeah. the gun show is real over there. Dude, yeah. <laughs> like, we got, ready. We got the, right, right. You got, we got you the got... finger gun, and then we got the, the gun gun. <laughs> We're getting back in shape, babies. I'm like, uh... Hot boy summer. I, with my, like, over COVID, I gained a little bit of weight. I'm still a fairly slim guy, but I have, like, a stomach yeah. now, and... You I started weight like a pencil. Like I, you just don't see it. I I like, look like a pencil, but I I but once I lift up my shirt, it's not gonna look good. Um, but I like I'm like 155 at the moment, which is one of the most I've ever uh, the heaviest I've ever weighed, which is like you're also like 5'10". I'm 5'10". So like like, I'm <laughs> I'm I have a slim physique, and so I have that I have that glorious purpose, I guess. Yeah. But no, actually, like, uh, we go ahead. I'm sorry. So I was like, I was getting into, I was getting back into working out since everything's opening up. Uh, I bought a little membership to that, to a basketball court that Noah goes to. I'm like, I'm fucking ready. I'm ready to get this. I'm ready to start. <laughs> I'm ready to start fucking flaming it from deep now to play some basketball. And then, yeah, my back said, fuck you. So yeah, it's getting better. I, I guess I'm thinking, I think this week I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to shoot some hoops. And I, I think I'm going to give it a chance because I'm able to do a little bit more. Like I can, like I used to be able to sit, not be able to sit in my chair that long. Like if I was sitting in my chair for like the amount of time that we've been doing this, I would start feeling it in my back. I don't feel it right now, which is good. Yeah. But there's still it's still a little bit. It's not perfect, but it's much better than it was like say a month ago. So I'm hopefully That's going good, to get back out here. No one's going to kick my yeah. ass in basketball. I just know it. I'm out. I'm out. Back out of shape. For sure, as it he's going to destroy us, man. Hey, Noah, no, um, no back or, or good back. Go for exactly. it. Um, do you guys think there is a, like, someone with all-star franchise player potential, max potential in that 12 range? And um, also, along with that, um, I, I don't think this goes hand-in-hand, hand really, but what are your feelings on Jalen Johnson? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't mean to, like, leave out of nowhere, so this is going to be my last question, and then I got to dip. Um, but... Yeah, with with like Jalen Johnson, I I like him. I just don't know what to think of him. He's like sort of similar to James or James Wiseman from a year ago, where he like put up some really good numbers for for a really good school, but then dropped out. And so we mostly know what we know about him from his high school tape. So he has some playmaking potential. He could shoot a little bit. He's got good size. He's got some defensive versatility. But like, 
I, I didn't see it that much because I didn't really get to watch very much Duke even when he was there. So I, I don't know what to think of him. And then in terms of like guys at the 12 range, probably not. Like most years is the answer is no. And I think also this year is probably no. But that doesn't mean there isn't like an all-star maybe in there. Like yeah. I think if you're looking at maybe the best player who you could take who might be an all-star one day, I really like Josh Giddy. I'm super high on Josh Giddy. Um, I think Kai Jones is another guy who, like, if he reaches the oh. ceiling, yes. But besides that, no, you're probably just getting, like, serviceable starters and role players. What do you Garuba's think the another guy. Is? I like him, but – okay. Um, yeah, I'll... so for Garuba, uh, I think, like, it's funny because, like, the only pro comparison I've ever seen for him is Draymond Green. And I think it's, like, fairly accurate. He's an amazing defender, like someone who, to me, could be the best defender in this class. He could probably compete for a Defensive Player of the Year award just with his versatility alone. But on the offensive end, there's a lot of questions. Like, he's a, an excellent short roll passer, sort of like Draymond ha- has, has become with um, Golden State over the years. But he just can't shoot. He can't shoot. He can't knock down free throws, really. Um he can dribble a little bit, but I wouldn't trust him to dribble in the NBA. So I, I, I don't know. No. Like maybe if everything works out and he's in a situation where he can be like the third best guy on a championship team and therefore get the all-star nod because they're so good. They have so many wins, but otherwise probably not. But I like Garuba at 12 too. I just, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them to screw up the 12th pick. Yeah. So. No, where can they find all your lovely information? Of course, for... Pounding the Rock, and also your new podcast. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. You can find my writing at Pounding the Rock, uh, a new podcast, Alamo City Limits. Uh, we have three episodes came out. Spurs Nation helped me get to 3,800 streams <laughs> during Already? the first week, so y'all are amazing. Um, and about it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really first debut week. And then obviously you can find me at At The Line, where we've got Nick, we've got uh, Ty, we've got Mac. And, uh, and and myself. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry I have to dip out a little bit early, but I uh, appreciate y'all letting me he's hop going, on with y'all. He's going to have more cobbler. Yeah. He's not going to share. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I am. I'm not going to lie. I probably <laughs> am. <laughs> Nick, where can they find you and your new upcoming content? Uh, right now, um, I may have something to announce next podcast, but right now I'm just at at N-I-C-Y-A-R-B-R-O which is at Nick Yarbrough on Twitter um, and then someday I may upload to my podcast I have no idea, I've been having too much fun with this one well you're um, here so yeah. don't need too much I'm plus I'm doing, I'm doing all the work for you I'm making life easy exactly, so make that's sure go, all I like make sure you go so yeah, um, yeah just at Nick Yarbrough on Twitter um, that's all I've got right all now right. and again you can find me find all my lovely content at the Ty Yeager. Make sure to follow Athline on Twitter as well, Athline Pod. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow here on Twitch, and make sure to follow wherever you get your podcast for the condensed version of this of this episode. And and for the full stream, we can go to YouTube right after this. That's where I am gonna be uploading it. But yeah. for and again you can also find out all my articles and everything lovely at the Sport Zone itself as well. So for Nick Yarbrough, I'm Ty Yeager. And for Noah McGregor-George, I'll see you guys next yeah. time. Thanks, guys. Nice. Hey, guys. Have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, 
I kind of want to make my own podcast. Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor. And this is what we use here at The Line. One, it's absolutely free to use. And guess what? I know some of our hosting websites, they cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast.